Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we've got a great episode in store for you today. On today's show, we're going to be breaking down my preseason top 25, more specifically teams number 25 through 20. I'm going to have more on that in just a minute. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. Hi right, guys, so kicking our list off at number 25, we have Oklahoma State. Now anybody that knows this program knows it's no surprise that they find themselves yet again inside of the top 25. Oklahoma State is going to be led by 18th year coach Mike Gundy. Okay, he's in year number 18 with the program. That is impressive in and of its own right, specifically because when you look at college football and you look at what happens at, at a lot of these top tier universities is there's so much change. Their expectations of winning championships, the expectations of competing for a conference championship, whatever have you, is so high that it's really tough for a lot of these guys to stick with one program for any length of time. Now, what also makes this impressive is he has 16 years, okay, 16 straight years, might I add, of not having a losing season. They, they've won more games than they've lost 16 years in a row, and that is reflected in his record. Gundy currently is sporting a 149 wins to 69 losses, right? Ayo. Now, I'm being serious, though. Gundy's done a terrific job at Oklahoma State. The mullet man himself, when he speaks, people listen, and that's worth noting, right? One thing that you got to look for in this is Texas and Oklahoma are bolting for the SEC come 2025. Is what is Oklahoma State's relevance in the Big 12? Now, again, we've talked a lot about in our previous episodes conference realignment. What does it mean? What does it look like? Well, one thing I can tell you is, is this is a great opportunity for Oklahoma State to be, continue to be relevant in the sport. Now, kind of flashing forward a little bit here and, and doing a little bit deeper dive, Oklahoma State competed last year in the Big 12 championship. Okay, They were led on by a 12-2 overall record with an 8-1 conference record. Their only loss inside that conference, believe it or not, was to Baylor. And they lost in what was considered, they were considered to be the heavy favorite going into the Big 12 championship last year. And they got down early. I believe the score was 21-3 to to Baylor. They came out the second half, and they clawed their way back into that game. But they ultimately lost it 21-16. Uh, to Now, while that put a lot of, uh, that, while that put a wet blanket on, you know, the, the, the Cowboys season, they did finish the year off strong by beating Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. So that is something good. Now, looking ahead to this year and why I put them in my top 25, they they have an all-Big 12 quarterback coming back in Spencer Sanders, who was great last year for him. He put up over 3,400 total yards, and he had 26 touchdowns last year. The kid can absolutely score, and he can help lead this offense back to the promised land, which is where they want to go. Kind of looking at some of their other pieces that they have, you have uh, Brennan Presley is going to be a returning wide receiver for him last year. He ended up catching 50 passes, so he did a great job there, right? He, the, I believe he was their number two receiver from last year, and a key stat to look for for their offense and their pass catchers is they're getting back seven of their top eight wide receivers. 
you talk about getting experience back, knowing the playbook, knowing what you're trying to do. This is going to be a great start for Mike Gundy. Now, here's another interesting stat. They're going to have to try to replace uh, you know, their top rusher from last year. They're going to look to do that with a combination of guys, right? They're going to have uh, Dominic Richardson, who's coming back at the running back position. He had 400 yards and four total touchdowns. He also had, you know, you also have Jaden Nixon, who had 140 yards and two touchdowns last year coming back. But believe it or not, quarterback Spencer Sanders had 600 yards on the ground, and he also had uh, six touchdowns to go along with that, right? So they do have, you know, they have some different things, but they also want to take a lot of that pressure off Spencer Sanders to where they don't have to run him as much. What they would really love to do is to get these guys up and going, and how they're going to be able to do that and take the pressure off Sanders is they have three starting offensive linemen coming back. So really they're only trying to really replace three different positions, you know, going into this year, which I think that sets up favorably for them. When you look at other things that are going on, you know, across the country, and we'll break some of those other teams that we're going to talk about down later on. But one of the things I would say that's going to be really more interesting than not is we're going to be looking at their defense, too. The defense is actually going to be headlined by Derek Mason, who was the former Vanderbilt coach, right, for all my Commodores fans on there. They unfortunately do not find themselves in this list. Hopefully one day soon they may be. But Derek Mason comes over to be the defensive coordinator, and a more interesting fact in this is he is going to have a chance to do something special with these Cowboys. What I mean with that is... Last year, they were the, the Oklahoma State defense was ranked number one in in sacks in the country. In the inside of the Big Twelve, they uh, led the Big Twelve in total defense last year. So that's impressive in its own right. They're going to be led by a young defensive end coming in named Colin Oliver, who had ten and a half sacks last year. You know, for me, what am I looking at for Oklahoma State? You know, on defense and for this young man in particular. Well, I'm looking for them to continue to get back after the quarterback and, and make their the teams they're playing make their life an absolute nightmare. If they can do that, they can do something special. My overall final prediction for this team this year, I think, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think they put up another ten win season. I think they probably will lose some different they'll probably lose at least two games and they'll look to try to move on to a New Year's six bowl. Right, I think this is a team that is going to finish a lot higher in the year than 25, but I just think that there's a lot of other teams that have a lot more talent and have a lot more to look forward to this year. At number 24 on the list, we have Iowa. Okay, Now the Hawkeyes are going to be led by, if you can believe it, 24th year head coach Kirk Ferentz. Okay, while at Iowa, Kirk has accumulated 178 wins to only 110 losses. All right. He's been, well, he's been consistent, right? I mean, obviously he's got to be doing something right to be there for 24 years. Looking back at last year for Iowa, they had a eight, uh, 10 and four overall record and they ended up finishing seven and three in the side of the Big Ten. Now they made it to the Big Ten championship game, but a big thing that happened inside that game was they got exposed by Michigan. You know, some people will say, oh, well, they, Michigan was just a better team. A lot of, Iowa's problems that they had last year really came to the surface in that game as Michigan was able to get to their quarterback and really affect them all day long. Now, when I think of Iowa, 
I think of two things in particular. I think of great offensive linemen, and I think of stifling defenses. Well, last year they held up one end of that bargain where they had a great defense, and we'll get to some of those stats here in just a second. But one of the biggest problems Iowa ran into last year was their offensive line was not consistent. They had good individual players, but they just weren't as a group consistent. Uh, when you're looking at this, Iowa's going to be replacing, uh, you know, their center in Tyler Lindenbaum, who got drafted pretty high this year. They're going to be replacing him, uh, you know, as well. And, and they're going to try to figure it out on the guard spots. You know, I think their tackles are okay at the tackle position on their offensive line, but they really have to figure out that interior, you know, their interior offensive linemen. If they can do that, they're going to they're going to go a long way this year. I'll say this, when I'm looking at, you know, their quarterback, Spencer Petras, and a lot of his problems last year really was a result of that offensive line play. Now, when we look at this, he had 15 total touchdowns last year, and he actually had five on the ground. So, you know, he didn't have the best year passing. He had 10 touchdowns through the air to nine interceptions. So by no means was it a very consistent year that you'd want to see from your quarterback. But I think he takes, like I said, he brings a lot of experience to the game. And I think he's going to get better this year. And he's going to really look to take a big step forward. Now, they're going to be bringing back their leading receiver in tight end Sam Laporta. Okay, he finished last year with 53 passing uh, or 53 pass catches. He had 670 yards to go alongside of three touchdowns, right? They're going to need to see a lot more production from him, and they're going to need to lean on him a little bit more. But again, that all starts with the offensive line and the ability to get the ball to him quickly, right? Now, we're looking at the running game. They're actually going to be bringing um, their second returning rusher back from last year and Gavin Williams. He, you know, he got his feet wet, you could say. He only had 305 yards, no touchdowns. But again, you know, he played very sparingly. So it's going to be interesting to see what can he do when they give him the feature back role. And I'd like to see that, right? You know, looking ahead to their defense. Now, their defense was the best part of this team as they actually finished ninth in the nation in yards allowed. They only gave up 20 points per game, and they had a bunch of turnovers last year. Now, they're going to be led by cornerback Riley Moss, who in his career, he's had 10 interceptions and he's also had 15 pass deflections. So look for him and this defense to really come on strong this year. The other great thing for Iowa that when you really stop and break it down for a second is, is they're bringing back majority of the defense they had last year. So when you think about it, if they can get consistent offensive line play, their defense can be just as good as ever and they can kind of get something going in that running game, man, they can be they can be a threat out there in the Big Ten. Now, my record prediction for Iowa, I'm going to predict that they go 8-4, and four, and, you know, I think they beat the teams they're supposed to, and I think they're going to probably end up losing to teams like Michigan and Ohio State. But I think they're going to, like I said, I think they'll finish going 8-4 and four is my prediction for this. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Iowa. At number 23, I've got Old Miss. Now, Old Miss is interesting on here because they're led by head coach Lane Kiffin. Yes, sir, the Lane train, right? He's back. Now, while at Old Miss, he's amassed a 15-8 and record, and he's entering his third year with the program. Now, a big thing to look for here is Old Miss's offense. 
How do they respond after losing Matt Corral, Snoop Connor, some of their leading guys coming back from last year, right? That's part of the reason why I put them at number 23 on this. But the other reason why is who they're getting in. And I'll get into that in just a second. But let's look back. Last year, Ole Miss was 10-3. and They were 6-2 and in the conference, which was pretty good considering they're in the SEC. They did, however, lose to Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, all right? Right now, it looks like they they actually led the SEC last year in total offense as they averaged 34 points per game, which is, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Whenever you can lead the SEC, which arguably is one of the best conferences in college football, then you know you're doing something right. Lane Kiffin's, you know, Lane Kiffin's thing here is never been about offense. It's always about can he have just enough defense to get it going. He's a great recruiter. Guys want to come play for him, and he always seems to amass a ton of talent every single year. Let's take a look here at what we've got. They're going to be returning three offensive linemen, and they have to be more consistent at their pass blocking. They have to do that. They can. They do a pretty good job at holding up in the run game, but they have to do a better job at pass blocking. So they actually, they actually got quarterback Jackson Dart over from USC, and Dart's an interesting one because he played in six games last year. And through six games, uh, Dart, he had 1,300 total yards. He had 11 touchdowns. All right, so very small sample size to work with there, but he's a very talented quarterback. You know, again, Lane Kiffin always seems to have a quarterback wherever he's at, and he always does a great job at putting them in the best positions uh, to go forward. <clears throat> now, they have the returning. Uh, they're returning their wide receiver in Jonathan Mingo. He had three touchdowns last year, so they're going to have to figure something out in the passing game. Uh, is who as far as who they're going to get the ball to in this? Now, interestingly enough, they actually snag running back. Okay, they actually snagged running back Zachary Evans. Who, if you want to see more on that, just Google him and you'll see his whole career trajectory. But he was a five-star running back. Um, he ended up. At TCU, he had 650 yards to go alongside of five touchdowns last year, which is pretty impressive. So they're going to have a very talented backfield that they're going to kind of throw between them. Now, when we look at where their defense was at last year, defensively, they were actually 97th overall in the country. So their defense needs to take a huge step forward. They're going to be led by cornerback A.J. Finley who had 90 tackles last year, as well as three interceptions to go along with four pass deflections, all right? My overall season prediction for them is I think I think the lane train keeps rolling, and I think they get to 9-3. and three. Do I think that they're going to beat the likes of Alabama or Texas A&M? No, I don't, I don't quite think they're going to do that, but I do think that, you know, with Lane Kiffin, I think they're going to continue to be consistent and they're going to be a force over there in the SEC West. All right, at number 22, I've got Arkansas. Now, the Razorbacks are coached by arguably the most polarizing guy on this list, and that's Sam Pittman. Can I get a yes, sir? <laughs> right? No. But seriously, though, Sam Pittman is a great football coach. You know, it's only fitting that he was, he just a few years ago, he was coaching the offensive line at Georgia, and now he's coaching the Hogs, right? It, He's done a great job at Arkansas, okay, and he's going into his third year with the program. Uh, he has a 12 and 11 record in three years there. He also has uh, last year he was nine and four and four and four in the conference. You know, you got to think this was an Arkansas team struggling to find its identity 
here in the SEC as of as of late, right? I mean, before Sam Pittman, you know, a three four win season was not to be you know not expected by Arkansas. It wasn't that long ago they were one of the worst teams in the conference, right? But Sam Pittman's helped change that around, and he's getting a lot of talent down there in in Fayetteville. Listen, I'll I'll tell you this: he has a great one coming back and we'll get to who he's get one of my best players in the country this year in just a second but before i do let's talk about what they did in the uh outback bowl last year they beat penn state they were able to pretty much run the ball down their throat and eke out a win against penn state that's pretty neat if you ask me they're getting back into relevance now they're going to be led they actually led the sec in rushing and they had the 10th most uh efficient passing game in the country last year right what does that mean I mean, Sam Pittman's doing a good job at coaching the talent, right? But they're actually going to be bringing back four starting offensive linemen. They're going to bring back a lot of experience to that, you know, to the to the offensive line, and that's going to go a long way with what they're inevitably trying to do this year. I'll say this, right? They're they're bringing back quarterback KJ Jefferson, who did two things last year. Number one, he had over three thousand total yards, and he had twenty-seven touchdowns. Okay, but if that wasn't impressive enough, he was also their leading rusher last year as well. So he's a great athlete, right? And they did beat teams such as, like I said, Penn State. They even beat Texas last year, right? So who's really back now? Now, here's another interesting part about this. They're bringing back Warren Thompson, who had 300 yards last year and two touchdowns uh, as a wide receiver. But probably the best get that they got in the offseason was five-star transfer, uh, Jaden Hazelwood, who's transferring him from Oklahoma. He had 700 yards and seven touchdowns in his career while he was at Oklahoma. So he's going to be a good one to watch. If KJ Jefferson can get just a little bit of time and let him get down the field, I'm telling you, Arkansas has a lot of big playability in 23. Now, as far as the running backs go, they're going to kind of platoon that role out because Jefferson was their leading rusher last year, right? So as far as I look at, I kind of look at him as that hybrid sort of Cam Dam Newton type quarterback who can, I mean, he can straight, bang, you know, he can bang on guys, right? Like he can go in and run the ball and pretty much run you over as well as throw it. So he's a great uh, talent there for them. Now, when we look at their defense, their defense needs a little bit of work, right? They ranked 58th last year in team defense. Sam Pittman's going to want to see that come up a little bit. And I think they'll do pretty well as they return a lot of key guys. And they even get some other guys in, like linebacker Drew Smiley, who transferred in from Alabama. Now, who's going to lead the team on defense is going to be linebacker Bumper Pool. He's one of the coolest names I've heard, right? He sounds like a linebacker that would play at Arkansas. Now, with a guy like Bumper Pool, here, here's his stat line from last year. He had 125 tackles and two pass deflections. I mean, the guy is a, I mean, he plays, you know, sideline to sideline in one of the hardest conferences in the country. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of mitigate the season this year in the SEC. What I'm going to look for for their season prediction is I'm actually going to call it right now. I think they they improve and they go 10 and 3 or 10 and 2 this year. I'm sorry. Um, with the downside of probably eight and four. Somewhere in there is my realistic expectation, but for an Arkansas team that really wasn't projected to do much a couple of years ago, that's pretty good, right? They're, again, they're still not going to beat some of these other teams here on this list, but I think they're going to go a long way as far as their development and where they've come as a program. So number 21 on the list, I've got 
Houston. Now, Houston's an interesting one because they've got fourth-year head coach Dana Holgerson, okay? He's amassed a 19-15 and 15 record while while with the Cougars, all right? Now, last year, they were 12-2, and two and they were 8-0 in the conference. They actually lost in the AAC championship game to Cincinnati, who went on to, you know, lose to Bama in the playoff. But, interestingly enough, while they did lose to Cincinnati last year, they did a great job. At, and they're getting some key pieces back this year. Now, they could be ranked a lot higher on this list, and I'll get to that in just a second. But one of the more interesting parts here is they actually beat Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl. Wow. They go to the bowl in their home state, and they beat them on the road. Houston's got a lot of potential this year as they get ready to move into the Big 12 in the future. And I've got a feeling that Houston's not going to be the little brother that Texas and Oklahoma were kicking around by the time they come over into the Big 12. They're doing a great job on the recruiting trail, and they're doing some things that you would like to see as you're moving into a bigger conference. Like I said, with Texas moving on and Oklahoma moving on to the SEC, you know, everyone's kind of what's going to happen with the Big 12. Well, they're getting some teams like Cincinnati, like Houston, right, that are coming in that I think are going to be great replacements for that conference and keep them alive, you know, and keep it alive, like I said. So one of the things that we're looking for here in Houston, and like I said, by the end of the year, they could be much higher than this. But right now, they're bringing back a very, very talented quarterback in Clayton Toon. Now, Toon last year, he had 3,500 total yards, and he had 32 total touchdowns. Man, you're talking about a lot of production that whenever he does go to the league, they're going to have to try to replace. But again, they're bringing back Clayton Toon as the quarterback. They're also bringing back Nathaniel Dell, who was their number one wide receiver from last year. Okay, he had 90 catches and 12 touchdowns, so he actually had a very good statistical year too, right? So they're bringing their one-two punch back, right? Now they're also bringing back running back Tayshawn Henry, who had 500 yards and seven touchdowns. Right, they're doing a great job at moving the ball here. Right, they're running the ball. It seems like pretty well. They're throwing it well and they're catching it well. Right, so from an offensive standpoint, they're doing a fantastic job at you know production. Now we're looking at this. They're they're getting three starters back on their offensive line. So like most of the teams on this list, you know, are they getting all their guys back? No, I mean they're not, but. They do have some experience there, and they've got guys that have been rotational pieces that have probably played a lot of football for them. So, again, their offense is in great hands. Now, defensively, they actually had the sixth best defense in the country last year. This is a sneaky good defense. Now, they're losing defensive, tack uh, defensive tackle Logan Hall to the NFL, but that's okay because they're going to actually be led by uh, linebacker Donovan Mutant. Now, Mutant had 77 tackles and three forced fumbles last year, right? And he's going to be able to fly around to the ball, much like Bumper Pool in the last, uh, the last team we covered on the list, right? But I think that Houston is in great hands with Holgerson, and it seems like they're ready for this transition over to the Big 12. Now, let's take a look at their, their season prediction. I think, all right, I think they're going to be 11-1 this year. I could, you know, if you take a look at their schedule, there's not a team on there they play I don't see them beating. The only thing with that is, and this is my only thing with it, I have a feeling they're going to lose a game they probably shouldn't at some point throughout the year. Now, just like Cincinnati last year, I think it's going to be a great story, and I think they're going to somehow find them find themselves into a, a New Year's Six Bowl, and maybe even the playoff if they play their cards right, right? 
but I don't think that they get much. I don't think they get past that. And I think they get a little too hyped because they don't really play anybody throughout the year. So again, look for them to be 11 and one. I would say worst case, still a nine win team, right? Rounding out our list at number 20, I've got Tennessee. Now I covered Tennessee on our podcast yesterday when we were talking about the top five teams that are poised for a breakout in 2023. Now, Tennessee, to me, they're interesting, and I want to do a deeper dive into them right here. Okay, they're going to be led by second-year head coach Josh Heupel. While at ten, last year, he actually put up a 7-6 and six record while he was there. Now, here's the thing. He was 4-4 four and four in the conference, right? He's playing in the SEC, which is, again, one of the toughest conferences you can play in in the country. Now, we're going to kind of break this down. He lost in dramatic fashion last year in the Music City Bowl, all right? I mean, it was a heartbreaker to Purdue. Now, one of the things that I would say when I check out, you know, their loss to Purdue is, man, their defense, which we're going to kind of break down a little more here in a second, but their offense has got some fantastic pieces coming back into this, okay? First of all, they're getting most of their starting offensive linemen back. I think they need to replace a guard and a tackle, which, again, they seem to have a lot of talent. And here's another interesting part of this, too. Also kind of looking a little bit ahead, Tennessee is getting some phenomenal pieces in their recruiting trail. They've got a top five quarterback that's coming in. They've also got a top 100 wide receiver to pair along with him. Tennessee is starting to slowly get back. And I, like I said, Josh Heupel is doing a fantastic job at rebuilding this program. You know, Tennessee is another one of these programs, you know, that was really relevant at one point and then they've really slid off the radar the last decade or so. And fans are just wanting some form of success as it just seems like they're winning these games when it doesn't matter. And they're just kind of taking L after L. And I think this year that changes. Part of the reason why I think that's going to change is they're getting back quarterback Hendon Hooker. Now Hendon Hooker actually had 3,600 yards last year. Okay. And he had 36 total touchdowns. He was their number two returning rusher from last year. Okay. So that's, that's gotta be something right there. Now looking at who he's going to throw the ball to, he's, they're getting back their returning leading wide receiver in Cedric Tillman. He had over a thousand yards last year and 12 touchdowns. You, you throw that alongside of other guys that they're getting back as well. Jalen Hyatt, some of these other guys, they got brew McCoy who's transferring in from USC and they're great talents. They just need to, from a statistical standpoint, they just need to do a little bit better. And really, like I said, if Cedric Tillman and Hinden Hooker can find that connection early, they can go for a heck of a lot more than what they've already done. So as far as the running backs are concerned, they're getting their returning leading rusher back in Jabari Small. Now, Jabari Small had over 800 yards last year and nine touchdowns, right? And one of the things that Tennessee tries to do is they try to utilize they try to utilize this spread you out, high-flying, high-tempo offense. And every once in a while, they kind of feature the back in there, right? So, I, like I said, if Small can get in and prove himself, he may look for him to have north of 1,000 yards this year. That's what I would say. Look for him to have north of 1,000 yards this year, right? Now, when we're looking at their defense, they were ranked 7th in the nation for tackles for a loss, okay? They're going to be led by linebacker Jeremy Banks. He had 128 tackles last year, five and a half sacks, which tied the team high, four pass deflections, and one interception. Man, that's a stat line to say out there. It's a mouthful, right? 
Here's the thing that I want to see Tennessee do on defense going forward. They need to get to the quarterback. They have to get pressure, and they have to play better uh, in the back end, right? They have got to do a better job at pass coverage. But that, to me, that starts by getting after the quarterback. When you can get after a quarterback and knock him off the ball, you know, and knock him off his points and have him start seeing ghost, then in the back end, it makes your job a lot easier to cover. If you can't get to him, listen, the league favors offense, right? It doesn't favor defense. So just remember that. You've got to be able to go out and get the quarterback. How do I see Tennessee doing this year in a loaded SEC well, I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year, right? I don't foresee them going seven and six. I do think that they're going to probably best case scenario here. Like I said, best case, you're looking at a nine, possibly 10 win team with a ceiling of, I would say probably seven, seven to eight wins is really my range for Tennessee. They have a lot of, they have a, they have a lot of opportunities to get hot and start the year off ready to go. Now, with that being said, that's actually going to conclude this episode of the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. Guys, do me a favor. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe so we can provide future daily college football content for you. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.